Sometimes the world changes, man. Faster than uh, you can take it. That's what happens when you get old. When you're a young person, everything seems like, yeah, this is the way it should be. Young, I'm young. You know, oasis are in the charts. Life is perfect. It's never going to get better than this. I'm cool. I'm hip. But then cut to 15 years later and you're confused. You're shouting at mannequins for wearing no clothes. You know? You're saying, how come Mars bars are so small? Did my hand just get big? Um, you're saying, well, oh, now we can't, we can't smoke in a hospital. Now we can't smoke in the cinema. You know? Oh, what now? Heroin's illegal. You know? Things change without you even realizing it. Um, like TikTok. And it, the world can become kind of scary and unknown. That's what happens when you grow old. You know, old people, when they're racist and they're they're fucking afraid of of everything. That's what happens. The world just changes and they weren't ready for it. Like for me, um, you know, I know I, I realize what my big change is that's that's kind of scary for me, and it's bees. Like what are bees? I mean, I know what they are, but what are they to us? Like we when I was a child. I'll be out playing in the sun, the summer of 1995. And, uh, you know, I was seven years old or something. And we were out playing, we'd be out playing something like Hopscotch or Chasin' or IRA or Roy Rover or What Time Is It, Mr. The Mr. Wolf. And, you know, you'd be out all day having a great time. And then all of a sudden, what comes along? A fucking swarm of bees. Well, maybe not a swarm, maybe two. Two bees come along. And then you're like, we have to go inside. We have to hide. We're looking out the window under the bed covers because there's fucking bees outside. They're going to sting you. You know? And so bees were the enemy. That's what I'm trying to say. Bees were always the enemy when I was growing up. Fucking look, it's a bee. Squash it. Look, it's a bee. Take our tear off its legs. Put it in a jar. You know? That's what it were. Bees were the enemy. And now they're not. Now they're our friends and it's very confusing to me. Like when I was a child, it was... Stay away from the Shane. What are you doing? Stay away from the bees. Stay away from the bees. Shane, what are you doing? Go away. Get away from the fucking bees. Shane, come back. Come back here. Get away from them. Don't go near the bees. But now it's like we have to embrace them. Almost let them hurt us. Let them sting us. Because that's the natural law. And that's a change in the world. You know, because bees, they're going extinct. But I thought that was the whole idea. We wanted to get rid of them. Who wants bees? But now they're saying, no, we can't. We have to keep them. And they're our friends. And it's just something that I find hard to accept. I will never accept bees into my heart. Shane's Brilliant Podcast. I'm recording this uh, on Tuesday night. It's nearly 1 a.m., and I um, I got I even brushed my teeth. I brushed my teeth to do this podcast because I'm. That's how much I was saying. I'm going to be professional. I'm going to brush my teeth, but I'm wearing pants. And uh, you know, 
I don't know. I'm feeling anxious today for some reason. Just have some sort of anxiety kind of issue um, going through my my brain. My brain is sending nervous energy down through my body. I don't know why. Um, But hopefully I'll be okay, you know. Just get through this podcast. Talk to you. We'll all listen in. We'll all be a fucking... We'll all help each other out. You know, because this is kind of like um, a psychic, psychic thing i'm talking and it's going into all your brains and it's going into brains of people that you're probably never going to meet in your life you know but you've all shared the same experience a man shouting about bees um all right i better do all this this the the stuff hey follow me on twitter at brilliant shane instagram at brilliant shane and i got a patreon for patreon.com forward slash shane's brilliant podcast and uh you know, say hello. You can send an email, Shane's brilliant email at gmail.com. This weekend, I didn't do much. I had some trouble with um, customer service. Now, in my day job, I work on customer service with uh, helping people out with their troubles and computers and things like that. But I had my own customer service trouble with a company, big company called PayPal. You know, um, I was like, where's my fucking... First, I was being... First, I was being polite. I was like, where's my, uh, hey, you know, I'm supposed to have gotten a payment. They're saying that the payment went into PayPal, but I don't see it yet. Can you check it out? And I went through about nine different fucking operators, rang them, was put on hold for about 25 minutes before I gave up. Now, I never give out about customer service because I know what it's like. But this is the worst customer service I've ever had in my life. Okay. I fucking... I swear to God, it got to one point. It got to one point where I was getting shitty with them on the text chat on the line. I started like this was going on for hours. They were like, the money hasn't come, and I it was being put onto different people. And I was like, they were they said to me, well, can you give me the information once again? And I said, listen, I expected this money to be in my account. I'm very disappointed. I need this money to eat. You know, I lied. Because I, you know, I'm, I'm, I didn't need it to eat. I said, I need this money to eat. <laughs> That's how desperate this is, this situation. I swear, I was, I never get angry at things like that. But I got angry at this. I was about two seconds away from putting on a balaclava on my head. Getting a fucking gun. Pointing it at the computer screen. Or down the phone. And going, where's my fucking bread? Where's my fucking bread, man? Give me my bread. Bread is another term for money that uh, drug dealers sometimes use. That <laughs> there was a fellow I know, drug dealer who lived in the place in Gallows Field where I grew up, and he uh, was arrested or he was caught breaking the public order down Rock Street one day, and it was in the papers that he was caught by the police at like three o'clock in the morning, shouting, "Where's my fucking bread? Where's my fucking bread, man?" Where's my bread? And he wasn't looking for like a sliced pan. You know what I mean? Because who's looking for a slice? Who's screaming off the top of their head looking for a sliced pan at three o'clock in the morning? <laughs> On the Saturday morning. You know? Um. So yeah. But then after hours and me getting really frustrated, being a bit shitty to them, it fucking turned out that the person who said that they'd pay me never paid me. So it was my, it was their fault. By proxy, my fault. So if you're watching his um, uh, Amid 
PayPal guy that I was getting angry enough with, um, I'd just like to to say I apologize <laughs> sincerely for what I did. Because I didn't, re- after I realized my mistake, I just closed down PayPal. And I was like, whoopsie, not getting involved, not, not going logging back in there again. Leaving that for a week. <laughs> and I usually love bad service. Like, I went to the shop yesterday morning and uh when i went to pay for like a banana or and a bag of milk the woman behind the counter was like <sighs> sighing didn't even look at me gave her my card i don't have i can't my, the tap don't work on my card so i had to type it in that kind of guy gave her an eye roll then she took the card on the machine just threw it onto the, the counter didn't even fucking hand it back to me into my hand and i love that I love it. Much better that way than good service. Bad service like that is... But the difference with the PayPal is it goes on for like nine hours. I like bad service in that goes on for like a couple of minutes. Because if you're at a restaurant and somebody gives you bad service, somebody's like rolls their eyes or, you know, if you say, hi, can I get a seat for two? And they don't even look at you and they kind of get up slowly and go, you know, (laughs) like they couldn't give a fuck. I love that. That brings me with so much joy. I love it. It's way better than someone giving you good service because someone giving you good service in a restaurant, that's, you know, that's bullshit. They don't give, really give a fuck about you. You know what I mean? They don't really care. Oh, hello, sir. Have a nice day. Oh, it's nice outside, isn't it? Could I, can I interest you in a aperitif? A sorbet, a champagne sorbet, and some mushroom, some mushroom pickles. And, uh, you know, would you like to take a seat, sir? Who wants that? What are we, Canadian? No, we're Irish. We want bad service. Because when somebody is giving you bad service, like they, they just, a waiter or a waitress, they just... They're just, fuck off. That's what they're thinking in their head. Ah, another fucking customer. Fuck off. You know that they're being authentic. They're being their authentic self. They're being who they truly are inside. They're not putting on a fucking wall. When someone's being nice to you in a restaurant, serving you stuff, they're being, that's not them. They're fake, fakers. And that's what I like to do. That's what I, w- I would love to do when uh, I get good service. Go faker. Fake. Give me bad service any day of the week. I love it. I love it. I There's another shop nearby and there's a girl behind the counter. She never smiles. I go in there, I try and get her to smile so hard. I'll be there. Hi, how are you? And a big cheesy fucking grin on my face. Never. And I swear to God, I leave there smiling. Really smiling. Because she does not. I love it. I just love it. I love the bad service. Something makes me happy about it. And if she actually did start smiling, it'd break my heart. I'd probably never go back there again. Uh, so, that, you know, like I, when I do, do so like when I worked in the supermarket, I always gave good customer service. Um, you know, but I wish I didn't know because I bet you there's other freaks like me around the place who love bad customer service. They're like, there's probably some sort of dogging style, you know, like group, 
you know, dogging where people, men meet up and they go around, they look in car windows at fellas riding, I don't know, some, their wife, you know what I mean? It's probably some sort of, something like that for bad service, like a group of men that meet up on the internet and then they say, hey, uh, this Mexican restaurant here down in the centre of town, terrible service. Oh, I'm going there. <laughs> but when you're dealing with um, in that, as well, you know, when you're dealing with on the phone or when you're dealing with people through the computer, bad service is, is worse than good service. I don't know why. That's something for us to ponder. Like I hate when service in a restaurant and you go in and you know the, the waiter or they get to know you and they tell you, you know, oh, hello, sir. What you, would you like the same order again? Would you like your sandwiches that you usually get? Would you like the usual? I hate that because it it, it brings a, a sense of um, intimacy into the proceedings that I, I'm not capable of enjoying, you know? So maybe me being a fan of terrible service is some sort of quasi-sexual self-punishment <laughs> you know what I mean but it's not sexual but it's generally like there's some fellas who like uh, S&M sex and masochism and they go in there and they like when a woman or a man or whatever fucking bites their tits or bites their nipples or you know puts a screwdriver into their testicles you know that all that kind of shenanigans there are some fellas who like that because it fulfills a need within them to to hurt themselves, to punish themselves. You know the way some people are self-destructive? It's because they don't feel they deserve um, happiness. You know, that can be... So they self-sabotage. So someone might be getting the promotion at work, the big promo in the boardroom, they're being made partner of the law firm, you know, after all these years. But they've got this subconscious thing where they hate themselves. They don't feel they deserve this success. So what do they do? They fucking buy 16 ounces of Coke and, uh, you know, they, they move to Brazil and they fuck up their life and they live in the favelas and they learn how to play guitar. Um, off some young fella in the street corner and they ruin their chances but that's like me with the the uh, the service maybe I hate myself so much I don't deserve good service Bob Dylan released an album this week did any of you listen to it I I haven't and as you know I'm a huge Bob Dylan fan love the Dylan love Bob Love everything about it. Love all his early acoustic stuff. Uh, I love when he fucking went electric and he was playing around the UK and everyone was booing him. I love that. Love it. You know, it's just the coolest fucking thing ever. And I love even after that, people say, oh, well, that was the only thing good about Dylan. Give up after the 60s. No. He had a load of country albums in the late 60s. Which are great. And he started singing in a high voice. 
across my big brass band <laughs> and uh then he went into like the 70s he used to see blood in the tracks desire then he went a bit religious some of those songs are really good there's a great song called every grain of sand in the my resistance in the power of my deepest mean I'm in time in time in time in time um, and in the 80s kind of gets a bit shit but I made a playlist on Spotify that I'll try and share I don't know how I'll share it I'll put it on my Twitter of I think it's like 10 or 11 fucking great Dylan songs from the 80s and then the 90s came along and he fucking came back yeah, everything was, has been great since 1997 alright and 1997 they were like oh my god Dylan at the twilight of his career with Time Out of Mind the album you know he's coming to the end of his career he's getting old you know this could be his one song and here he is fucking 23 years later or whatever I can't do maths and he's coming out with fucking you know brand new material he's in his 80s or whatever he's 104 by the sounds of it <laughs> But the point is, I haven't listened to the album because I'm almost too afraid. Do you ever get that way? Do you ever get too afraid to to do something that you 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 know you like? Like I'm afraid to listen to the album because it's supposed to be great. It's getting five stars everywhere. It's saying it's like up there, his great greatest stuff. It's one of his masterpieces for some reason I'm just afraid to listen to it because maybe I don't want to disappoint myself maybe I don't want Bob to disappoint me who is Bob to disappoint me fuck you Bob <laughs> your album's shit hey man the fuck man it's the fucking greatest album of all time but you know we gotta respect Bob Dylan and I hope that I'm doing that in um uh, when I'm 80 still doing podcasts <laughs> Except doing them so that nobody can understand the word I'm saying. And people start saying, oh my god, he's shit. But then there's about maybe four of you out there saying that I'm a genius. Which could be the way that it is now, in fairness. Um, So yeah, Bob released an album. And, uh, you know, it hasn't been anything else, really. Um, But I have been anxious. Maybe that's part of it, too. I've been anxious. Very anxious. Especially today. Like, I'm tired of from being so anxious. Um, I And there's not... I mean, there are might maybe outside things that are causing it, but I'm not really sure. I don't know what it is. So I'm trying to... Um, I'm trying to relax myself. I spent too much time online, you know, on, on Twitter, and that's not good for you. Especially this weekend, which is something that I'll... I'll talk about later, but and I'm trying to do things like exercise and things like that and go out and you know because the world is opening up again, but I'm I'm still sort of in the lockdown mindset. I don't know if I'm too afraid to go out. You know. And uh I noticed because I am when the anxiety starts kicking in, you st- you lose where you are in the world. You know what I mean? 
you lose your sense of time and place. You're always thinking about shit you did in the past. You know, like the time you were sitting in Abracadabra and a really pretty girl walked by. You're on your lunch break in school. A pretty girl walked by and she waved, waved in the window at you and you couldn't believe your luck. So you waved out. And she looked at you like, who the fuck are you? And then you look behind you and there's, there's a big, big guy. A big hunk sitting behind you and you realise, oh fuck. And you're thinking about things like that. And you're thinking about things in the future, like, oh my God, am I ever going to be able to afford a house? Oh my God, you know, um, uh, am I ever going to have a child? You know, am I ever going to have a little me running around place? You know? Screaming at PayPal with a balaclava on. A little baby won't eat his food. It demands me to to give it food rudely. Bad service. A little me, you know. Do you want another little me in the world? I know how hard the world is, how hard life is. And look at it now, it's fucking disease, chaos. Do you want to bring a child into the world now? Global warming. You know, the world's going to get hotter. There's going to be they're going to be um, drinking cocktails in Banna Beach in Tralee in fucking October when my child is in his 30s. Do you want that for them? So you've got all this shit going on in your head, man. But you lose your place because you're not, you're never here. You're never, your mind is always somewhere else. You're in your phone which is the worst fucking thing for mindfulness, you know, for losing your mind, because you're you're gone. When you're looking at your phone and your Twitter and Reddit, or you're on a fucking Facebook, on some group full of old American people calling black people names, uh, you, you're lost. You're not here. You're gone. And it brings a sense of when I used to meditate, it brings a sense of calm. Uh, to the proceedings of your life because I think what can happen is when you can when you're when you're when you're looking out at the the future you're going what the fuck am I going to do you know where am I going man can I get rich can I be famous can I have a yacht am I ever going to have a yacht I want a yacht probably not you're not going to have a yacht you know what I mean? You're always looking for things that might happen or did you know happen in the past. Things that aren't really it remind... one time I went down on a girl and she pulled me up. Just after a couple of minutes. Like in Seinfeld, I got to tap. I had to come up. And I was talking to her afterwards about it. And she, I said, hey, you know, you don't like that, do you? You don't like when a fella goes down on you. She was like, no, no, I, you know, it's, I do. I said, well, how come you told me to stop? You know, I was, I was just getting started. She's kind of laughed and said, oh, oh, it's nothing. And I said, no, no, tell me. She said, you just, I said, go on. And she said, you know, you, you were sort of, it felt like, you were down there looking for something that wasn't actually there. You know? 
and I was upset at my own sexual prowess. But that's what make I think of it's kind of profound because that's what I think of life now. It's like when you go down on a girl. You know, you can't you can go in there with your eyes closed, don't have a clue what's going on. Don't know what you're doing. You're looking for something. You're like, maybe this will be nice. Nope. What about this? Nope. You're looking in all the wrong places. You're looking for something that's not even there. Because that's what she said to me. That's what it felt like. That I was looking for something that wasn't there. When all you have to do is concentrate on the clitoris. So that's what I want to do. Because here and now is the clitoris of life. And that's what I think we should do. Concentrate. That's my motto from now on. Concentrate on the clitoris of life. Because that's what I'm going to do. That's my new motto. So I'm going to start meditating again. You know, I'm not going to be out there licking the labias (laughs) of life. I'm going to be licking the clitoris of life from now on. You know, and I want you to all say it with me. Lick, it's my new motto, lick the clitoris of life. Concentrate on the clitoris of life. Because that's how you get orgasms. You know, that's how you get the good stuff, the real good stuff. Not the stuff that's not even there. Um, and I'm going to get back to nature, man. I want to get back to nature. Uh, I want to go out into the countryside, get out of the city. Because I've only been, in the last fucking four months, I've been in the urban co- uh, countryside. The urban piss-soaked, shit-stained countryside of Dublin City, man. I want to get out to the real... Because I grew up in the countryside. I've told you before, I grew up in Gallusfield, Tralee. When I was growing up, there was cows everywhere. In your garden, eating your, eating your, uh, eating your plants, you know. So I grew up in the countryside. You'd walk out, and there was a hill, Bullock Hill, it was called, and it was looks like the steepest fucking hill of all time. We used to walk up there, and this was in, it was like in the middle of nowhere. I used to imagine being like Tarzan going out there, uh, running away from home. You know, everyone runs, thinks they're going to run away from home when they're young. That's what I wanted to do: run away from home, go up Bullock Hill. And live in the, you know, the forest. That That's how outside of the town it seemed to be. But now it's been subsumed by the urban sprawl. <laughs> that's a good phrase, subsumed by the urban sprawl. Use that in your, in your, just throw it into a sentence this week if you want to really impress people. Yeah, you know, yeah, I used to enjoy it, but it got subsumed by the uh, urban sprawl. But I want to get back to the countryside. Crazy things can happen in the countryside. In the, in the Sleeve Mish Mountains outside Tralee. There's a, a mountain called the Short Mountain. That's what we call it. The Short Mountain. And when you go up there. You know. There is a grave up there. Called Scotia's Grave. And Scotia. I, I'm not into fucking folklore. Irish folklore. I, it's almost folk bore. I call it. It's so boring. Because you know it's all bullshit. Oh a woman fought a bull. Or you know what I mean. But anyway, in this folklore, there's a woman called Queen Scotia. Like Irish folklore, to giants, magic trout. No, I mean salmon. Oh, a guy burned his thumb off salmon. Now he's the smartest man in the world and the biggest man too. You know what I mean? Oh, the giant's causeway. No, it's not a natural rock formation. A giant from Scotland built it. Oh yeah, really? Really? Yeah, all right. Hey, uh, yeah, I'd like to sign my friend in here, please, <laughs> into the psychiatric ward, yeah. It's going on about a fucking salmon of knowledge. 
But um, this folklore said that there's this queen from fucking Egypt called Scotia. And she came over here. She fell in love with some Irish guy. As if a queen of fucking Egypt is going to fall in love with a fella from Kerry. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's more unbelievable than a fucking... Than, that's more unbelievable than a, a magic salmon. Or a giant called with one eye called Suluan. You know what I mean? That is a, a woman from Egypt falling in love with a fella from Kerry. That is completely off the wall. That's, you know, if you believe that, you might as well believe the earth is flat. Or that the moon is a fucking cheese. Anyway, the fucking story goes, she fell in love and she moved to Kerry, of all, just outside Tralee, of all places, the Queen of Egypt. And now she's buried up that mountain. So when I was a teenager, me and my friends said, hey, do you know what we'll do? We'll go up that fucking mountain, man. You know, and we'll get really stoned. So we went one morning, we went up at like seven o'clock, which is early when you're a teenager. We were about 16. We all met up and people think, oh, it's very wholesome, isn't it? That's what people probably thought when they saw us hanging around with our bags, our backpacks. But little did they know we were going up to do some very soft drugs. And we walked on up the mountain. Took us about fucking four hours to get up to Scotia's grave. And when we got up there, we used to make a, we bought one of those barbecues, one of those wooden barbecues, you know. And it's good memories. Because you sit there, there was rivers and the sheep would walk by. And we'd keep going deeper. We'd see the grave come to Scotia's grave. It's just a fucking piece of wood. You know, or or a rock. It's like that. Who cares? That's fucking a queen of Egypt buried here. My arse. My hole. We walk around. And we, 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 we decided that morning to keep going back. Back the mountain. So we went back as far as we could. And I got, you know, when you go up there, it's, you know, it looks like brown rock, but it's on marsh. So we were trudging through that, smoking loads of joints. Getting paranoid. Oh my God, is there someone there? Nowhere in the middle of nowhere. You know what I mean? Jumping over rocks, over rivers. I put my bottle into the river, drink that water, pretending I was like a cowboy from, or a gold prospector, but the water was all brown. You know? You never, they never show you that in the cowboy movies. The water's brown. <laughs> um, you know, so you, I, I drank some of it and I, I, you know, I didn't feel right. I thought river water you're allowed to drink. Isn't that what they call it? River rock. Fucking Coca-Cola company bastards. Cunts. <laughs> but I remember we went all the ways back and we were going back now. It was like, this felt like we were going into Vietnam. The jungles of Vietnam. We got all the way up to the top. And we said we'll climb up that one more mountain man. You know this is now about 4 o'clock in the afternoon. We're there since 7 o'clock. And when we got all the way up to the top. Do you know what was up there? A man. A man. Standing behind the wall. You couldn't see his legs. He had no top on. Now we were all very high. And when... (laughs) It was one of the most awkward because we got him right up to his face because we come over the cliff, the mountain or the hill edge, whatever you call it, and came up and there was just a man standing there behind the wall. 
And he was like, hello? We were like, hey, man. Hi. We just kind of stood there for a few minutes and, and we said, uh, I suppose we better head back down. And we went back down. We don't know why the man was up there. Standing there with topless. What kind of shenanigans? What kind of... I don't know. I wonder if he's still there now. He probably is. But these are the great things that you see in nature. That's why you have to get out of the city. And we trudged always down the mountain. Past the river, over the rocks. Out the, onto the main road. Then it took about two or three hours to get back down. And when we got down to the bottom. After being up there for maybe 12 hours. When we came down. The world had literally changed. Because the Pope was dead. Pope John Paul II. And sometimes going up, we thought, fucking hell, did we do that? Did we go up to the mountain? And when we came back down, the Pope was dead. (laughs) You know? So we tested the theory and we went back up like the year later. But when we came back down, it was still Benedict. So we didn't, it was just a coincidence, it turned out. But yeah, I want to get back to nature, you know. Start getting out and walking and stuff. Stopped really drinking and doing things to my, putting substances in my body this last few weeks. And I kind of feel a little bit better. I'm getting more, better sleep. Play my guitar a lot more. I'm singing Buddy Holly songs. Jump, what's a great song? Peggy Sue. So simple. It's like three chords. Peggy Sue. And then you throw it. There's a fucking, listen to it. You'll hear the F. There's an, even if you're not musically, you know, if you don't know what chords are called, you'll hear the F and you'll be like, Jesus, that's an F. There's an F in the middle. It goes Peggy Sue, Peggy Sue, and then pretty, 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 pretty Peggy Sue. And I'm playing that song, driving Kira fucking insane. She's gone down to Tralee for the next two days down home. And she said, I can play Peggy Sue. She said she wants me to play Peggy Sue morning, noon and night on my guitar because she doesn't want to fucking hear it when she comes back. So I've been doing that too. <laughs> but it's been um, an odd week end. Because I'm an, and I didn't even want to do this podcast, honestly. Um, because I don't know, you if you're listening to this, you might know uh, like the uh, basically I'll just fucking tell the story. I talked about this on my I was so angry about this on my weekend podcast that I couldn't talk about it. I had to, I had to take uh, an extra day before I could. I usually do the podcast on Saturday, but I had to do it on Sunday instead because I was so angry and upset. So what happened was it came out that a, a guy, comedian in the Dublin scene, who was a booker of a club, uh, you know, and one of these fucking... Like I... Look, I'll just say why he did it. He had his, it came out that he is a serial uh, sex abuser, emotional abuser, and rapist. And, uh, you know, it was a shock to the system, quite honestly, because I know the fella, I know the guy, and came out all over Twitter. And it was just, I was on Twitter, it felt like I was on Twitter, I was on Twitter this weekend for nine days, that's what it felt like. I was just, it was tough. Um, a lot of women came out against this guy. And this is someone I know. 
you know. Now I don't know him. I didn't know him that well. I just knew him uh, like as an acquaintanceship, because he ran booked a club in 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 Dublin. And uh, so obviously I would my the extent really of how I knew know him is that I would message him looking for a spot or he'd message me asking me if I wanted to do a spot that was it really then talking bef- well you wouldn't really call it backstage a stairs like most of fucking places in Ireland um talking to him you know just before a gig how's it going you know what's is it busy blah 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 usual shit that's that's uh really to the extent of how I much I knew him but this guy this is what he did he was one of the wokest most male feminist um, you know allies that you could find most outspoken in the Dublin comedy scene this is a guy that if fellas were making or uh, and girls were making jokes that were maybe, you know, vul- not vulgar. That's that's going to be too far. But maybe if they were making jokes that were homophobic or sexist or, you know, transphobic or whatever, he would call people out. Um, this is a guy who wouldn't book certain people because they were known to hang around with other people who were. Um, let's say abusers so this was you know he and people trusted him I've heard of other comedians saying that they used to tell uh, comics young new comics to go to this guy because he's you can trust this fella you know and I might have done that too I can't I can't remember but I know that before this weekend, if somebody came to me and said, oh, is there any comedian or any place, like if a young woman wanted to do comedy, I'd say, yeah, go here. You know, he's sound out. Don't go to this one. This guy's a dickhead. Go th- go to him. And uh, it turned out that he was one of the worst. I mean, the worst, probably. Um, and that's like the fact that he was so outspoken is and it turned out that he was the one doing most of that himself now what happened was a, a girl made sort of made who and, and by the way I know this girl too about as about as well as I know that guy and she started saying stuff online well I'll go back to the start look I'm getting it all confused because I'm just talking it, it, it's taken a while to sink into my head there's been a few sort of sex sex abuse stories coming out in American comedy and in I like I haven't been following it because I'm not involved in fucking I hate wrestling. <laughs> you know, I think it's the worst it's fellas acting, you know, it's EastEnders and Fair City, except you know in really small shorts. But there were women coming out saying they were abused in, in American comedy and in, in UK wrestling, I think. And this guy was retweeting the women saying, you know, that they need to speak out and liking loads of their tweets. And this affected a 
him doing this affected his victim. She saw him doing this and this filled her with rage. She was like, this fucking cunt is going on here pretending that he is a fucking friend to women. Um, And when what he did to me, so she opened out and said, hey, this guy, I shouldn't even mention his name, by the way. There's a guy, he's one of the wokest guys in Irish comedy. He's uh, an abu- abuser. He's been filming us without our knowledge and sending it to other girls. Um, all this uh, accusations. And then he put up a tweet saying, yeah, that's that I did. He admitted to it, basically. And it was shocking because first you wouldn't expect this guy to be the guy. Like somebody said, another comedian said to me, she said, uh, you know, I would never have thought he was. He seems like the nicest guy. I would never have thought he'd be able to do anything. And I thought, yeah, but isn't that what fucking neighbors say when they find out that they're living next door to a serial killer? You know, they're like, oh, he's so quiet. I never, I'd never expect there to be four, fourteen bodies in his pipes. And that's why it kind of it turned out this like this way, this time. Like I'm not going to go into the details, but. You know, if you really want to, you can probably find it online. But uh, for someone in the industry that I'm working in and someone that I worked with and thought I would keep working with and somebody who I trusted as an acquaintance and as a colleague to be involved, to be a fucking rapist and to be an abuser... It really put me... Imagine you were a girl. Like, to me, stand-up comedy is the best thing you can do. And imagine you were a young girl. You really wanted to do stand-up comedy. Because it is. Going up there and making people laugh. It's fucking amazing. It's brilliant. It's the best feeling ever. You know? But imagine you went up there. You wanted to do this. But then you start finding out, oh my God, this guy, these all these creepy cunts. Maybe it's it's probably been girls. I'm sure it has girls' passion to do that, and all these fucking creeps stop them from doing that, which is a tragedy. It's a fucking tragedy, and that makes me upset. And if I'm if I was that angry that I couldn't even talk, imagine how these women are feeling. I feel nothing but sympathy, and I hope all of this fucking shit helps them some way. You know, I'm still in shock about it because I, the thing is, Irish comedy is grim. Stand-up comedy, it's grim. I'll tell you, it's grim. It's grim. There's no money. No one gets paid until you're, you're in the game fucking, I don't know, 20 years or something. Um, Like you're not getting paid for driving to do a gig in Donegal. You know what I mean? Getting paid a five or a tenner. It's all on your own back. So you're doing it for passion because it's your passion. You love doing it. You know, half the time the guy booking it is a creep or a dickhead. And all on top of all the grimness and the fucking drudgery of Irish stand-up is that there's the guys that you trust are rapists. So it needs to fucking change big time. Like I'm thinking, even am I, am I, do I even want to be a part of it anymore? You know, but then I think no, I do because doing stand up is so good that it needs to change 
in some way, and I don't know how. First off, I have to get the creeps out. You know, that's the main thing, to protect women, especially. You know. And there's a certain strain of alpha maleism in uh, Irish comedy. <clears throat> it's like the old school of Irish comedy. I mean, I'm, I'm I'm saying Irish comedy, but just because that's the only one I really know. Could be this could be going on everywhere else, but I don't know. But there's like an old school sort of mentality, and that's not good for young women to go into that situation either. Why would they want to go in there? You know, I don't even like hanging around with that. I don't even like being in those situations. Why would a young girl want to go in there? They wouldn't. They're not going to want to do that. And that's fucking... And if you're listening to this and you can kind of say, hey, fucking we listen to this to laugh and do, you know, whatever. But, you know, I'm only going to be honest with you, man. This is what I've... I've barely been able to think of anything else all weekend. Since last Friday. When this came out. Um, and I just hope these girls, man, I can't even imagine how they feel, especially when nobody, they can't, cause they can't talk, they couldn't talk about it, you know? I, you know, I, I can't even talk about it anymore. But what I will say is that stand-up comedy in Ireland needs to change big time. Big time. And I mean from every aspect. Uh, so I've been talking now for an hour. Uh, <laughs> and sorry there for the last 15 minutes. But this is, I mean, something that really made me angry, you know. And, uh, you know, these fucking, I'm telling you, man, these woke, like, listen, I'm f- fairly, I would consider myself fairly attuned to uh, modern, except for bees. Okay, everything aside from bees, I am attuned to. You know, I understand as you know as, within reason. But you have to watch out for some of these overperformative woke people who go out of the, because if you think about mo all most men have a desire, especially when they're younger. Not I don't know why I'm saying younger, but all most men's one of their strongest desires is to be in and around women, okay? And what's one of the main ways that you can get near women? By being performatively pro-woman. Um, so, because in the, oh, he's lovely, isn't he? Yeah, well, you know, he's nice. Let's text him. Let's send him messages. Oh, now he's kind of getting a bit creepy, but no, he is so nice. Maybe I will send him a nude. You know, that's, that's what it is. Because you have to watch out for these fuckers. Um, like there's these two, two dogs that live down the road here from me and they are behind a big fence and they're, I don't know if they're brothers, one is big, one's kind of small, but they look the same. And when you walk past there, they back their fucking heads up, you know, like it, it looks like if they could get out at you, you're, you'd be missing a hand. You wouldn't be able to open a tin of beans anymore without, uh, assistance from your wife or son you know they look vicious they're scary these two dogs but then I was in a coffee shop before the lockdown and who did I see walk in their mother 
with these two dogs into the coffee shop and they were wearing little bandanas and they were as quiet as a mouse. Two mice. You know? And there were people rubbing them, giving them rubs. You know, aren't they lovely little doggies? Everyone thought that these fucking dogs were nice because they wanted rubs and because they wanted to be loved by their owner. You know? But then I knew that truly behind it all these were vicious fuckers that never shut up barking. And that's the way you got to feel but keeping an eye on these overly nice guys. You know? Because I never trust nice people anyway. I always think and I don't want to say oh I'm am I great that I don't trust these people but I always have a feeling with nice people this is even I've said this way before all this shit came out the weekend I have a feeling people who are overly nice like hey yeah how are you they're hiding something <laughs> maybe that's why I like bad service I just like to read you I like I like to see your your inside like a I like to read you I like to read you like an open book, you know. Never judge a book by its cover. And uh, you know if you're a woman and you're getting into comedy and you're, you're listening to this, maybe so. Just be fucking be careful, man. Okay. It's fucking t- hell in comedy for women. It can be if there people going you're not funny. When some women are the fucking... Like Maurice Gone, I think is one of the f- funniest Irish comedians I've seen in a long time. She'd fucking make you... You'd be on the floor. Now, most of the audience might think she's funny. <laughs> no, she'd kill me for saying that. But, when, you know, they have that, oh, women aren't funny, you know. Oh, all these questions when they go in. Then they have cunts who are, um, you know, making jokes about them. Um, about wanting to ride them, you know, to their faces. They have that, and then they have the other fuckers. They have the other fuckers who are saying, "Oh, I'm, I'll, I'll be your friend. I'll take care of you." And then they're the fuckers that turn out to be even worse than everybody else. And then there's me standing in the corner, you know, alone, <laughs> trying to remember my what the fuck I'm going to say. So it's hell. So we got to make it easier for everyone, man. Um, I'm sorry, I've gone ranting a bit. And, uh, you know, thanks for listening. Cheers. Nice one. Thanks. And, and hobnob. <laughs>